Hey, good morning out there. It's good to see your smiling faces. Oh, I feel, I feel the presence of the Lord on me today. I'm, I just I sense His presence. Um, I just want to highlight the worship night. So that's taking place tonight. They had to switch it off of the rims. It's at Pioneer Park. They got food trucks there at 430. Uh, we're going to have a great time. There'll be a couple thousand people out there. So uh, I hope you can make it. It will be a great time, and I'm happy to work with people on that. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're concluding a series here on uh, spiritual gifts. So um, Labor Day is like my favorite holiday. Uh, and then Memorial Day is up there as well. I, I think they're better than Christmas. Am I wrong? No. I, 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 <laughs> when, when someone gives Elizabeth Christmas presents, I will often say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And then she'll say the same thing. She'll be like, oh, you shouldn't have. But we say that for different reasons. <laughs> so, God is the giver of gifts. And uh, he gives extraordinary gifts. Uh, he, he gives what the Bible calls good and perfect gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Now, I want to read here 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is the same verse that we started the series with. Uh, I'm going to read verse 4 through 7. It, sa- it sets us up here. It says that there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God. Who works all in all? Then he said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the sweetness of your presence. I thank you for the unction and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be with us here today. Increase our understanding, just like you did for the disciples. Open up our minds and our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. We receive that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. So, Um, it is a busy summer for me. And I do hate to see summer wind down, especially up in Montana. Can I get a witness on that? It goes too fast. We bought a new house, uh, and uh, I'm in the middle of a remodeling mess. And so when you are moving and remodeling, you know what happens is stuff gets lost, like Christmas stuff. (laughs) I don't know how it happened. I don't know where it went. Toys of your kids, the ones that you step on at night and trip on, they somehow disappear. Sometimes tools disappear, which is a super problem. So... You know, if you don't use certain things, they're not right there, they can disappear. And you know what? That, that's the same thing with spiritual gifts. If you don't teach on it, if you don't acknowledge them, if you never use them, they have a tendency to disappear. And it's a funny thing, man, because we live in a society right now where it's like spiritual gifts aren't always in manifestation. So we've had three categories of gifts that we read, the graces here. First of all, the ministry gifts. That's differences of ministries. We said that two weeks ago. We talked about, you know, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, and fivefold offices and what they do in your life and how they bring, uh, you know, they build you up. Last week, we talked about what's called the motivational gifts and, and the things that motivate you. Uh, that would be, uh, you know, the, uh, the diversities of activities. But today, I'm going to talk about the manifestation gifts. It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of of all. And that word manifestation, I looked it up. It's a Greek word that means a quick inspiration or a burst, something that happens in your spirit quickly where the Lord impresses you with something. And, you know, I, it, it's like funny when you preach enough. You, um, you can sometimes kind of just catch moments with the Lord that happen very quickly, but it's like God downloads something in your heart. I remember I was over on this side of the service one time. I'm preaching. I looked out the window, and across that yard in the fall, I could see a leaf slowly 
falling to the ground. And I thought it was strange that in the middle of preaching, I made an observation and just kind of watched it. And that's kind of what happens when a, when a gift of the Spirit happens. It's a very quick, very sudden thing. It's like time slows down. In a moment, you get a hold of something. He talked about the manifestation of the Spirit. This is a super fun topic, but I want to remind you, it's a super sacred topic. And so I'm going to work through this section of Scripture. I've taught this before, and then I want to teach on how it can operate in your life. So look at verse number 8. He describes these nine gifts of the Spirit here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 11. He said, to one is given the word of wisdom through the same Spirit. So the word of wisdom, as I understand it, it is the ability to see in the future and know what to do about it. It's like, like this happened in the Bible to Joseph when he had dreams or Daniel, when dreams were given to him about what would happen. It's not necessarily you just being smart and wise than other people. It's God supernaturally revealing something to you about what may take place in the future, and then you have the wisdom to know what to do about it. And this is something that actually happens for myself quite a bit. You know, I was telling you all about this move we had. Elizabeth and I had been waiting. I had this impression from the Lord that we were going to move, and he would continuously give me, like, you know, little dreams. I had a dream that I shouldn't throw away some uh, plastic totes that we had because we're getting ready to throw them out of the church because I was dreaming I was moving. And it happened when I least expected it, which is like God, but he had me prepared for it. I had wisdom on it. Now, the, the companion gift with that uh, is in verse 8 here, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. So knowledge and wisdom are different. Wisdom is how you apply what you know. Knowledge has to do with like the facts of the situation. And this is when God might supernaturally reveal to you uh, facts that are taking place. And you can see it in the Bible. Jesus met with the woman at the well, and he knew exactly what was taking place in her life. You've had five husbands, he said. Uh, you know, I recently had the Lord impress me uh, about a brother who was really going through a challenge in his life. And the Lord showed me the, what, what went on in his past and how he was processing his pain. Gave me a place to pray for. And I talked to him about it. I said, man, you, you don't feel this way. You're lacking the love of God in your heart, and he totally acknowledged that. And, and that's the word of knowledge. It tells us here in uh, verse number 9 that to another uh, is faith. This is the gift of faith, not the fruit of faith, not the faith that you have when you got saved. The, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. That's like a miraculous faith that you need. Uh, you know, when, uh, when Jesus spoke to the storm, uh, when Jesus raised up, the woman who was Jairus' daughter who was died. That was faith in the moment. And, you know, I remember when I went to India one time, and I was the last guy to make the plane. I sprinted across San Francisco Airport, and in my luggage was the visa that I needed to get in. And they said, you can't get in without the visa. So there I am, half asleep across, you know, I think I was flying over the North Pole. I'm somewhere over Siberia, and I realized, my visa is in the luggage. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to let me in. So I just felt God with me, and I got right down there to the front, and I talked to the guy at the gate. I told him what happened. He yelled at me, scolded me, but he let me through. I felt faith just open up doors right there. Just a little gift of faith. I got right through. And he said, um, make sure you bring this next time you come back. And I was like, I don't think I'm coming back, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Verse number nine, another is the gifts of healings by the same spirit. Look, look at the phraseology in this phrase right here. The gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Gifts of healing. I like Acts 10, 38. Jesus went about doing good and healing all 
who are oppressed by the devil. And the thing about healings is they come in all shapes and sizes, man. I have seen God do remarkable healings in people. I've seen him come out of wheelchairs. In India, we saw a man with a steel rod, and he couldn't move his arm, and he was able to put it up his head, and he could go back to work. And You know, I remember my mom coming out of a deathbed, you know, when she had an aneurysm. And, and man, I've just seen the incredible ways that God heals people. He still heals today. It tells us in the, um, in the ninth verse here, or the, 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 the tenth verse, here's a companion verse, that to another is the working of miracles. I like to say it like this. There's a difference between healing and miracles. Miracles are often instantaneous, but a healing might be something that takes place progressively in your life. And, you know, the thing about miracles, they also do come in all shapes and sizes. Like the fact that you avoided the car wreck <laughs> or, you know, the way that God turned someone's heart around or, or the provision that showed up when you were least expecting it. And these are miracles that can take place in a moment. It tells us uh, in verse 10 that to another is given prophecy. And when people think about prophecy, their mind immediately goes to thinking about what's going to take place in the future. But what the word really means is that you're speaking with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Something inside of you has this sense, and then you kind of speak it out and release it. It's, it's not limited to foretelling the future. It has to do with forthtelling. That would be the process that God is working and putting forward in your life. It's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. We'll read that in a moment. I remember I was uh, with my friend, Pastor Derek, uh, when he was here, and he used to operate in this quite a bit. And so, you know, we had one of my friends who was a pastor up mentoring us from Louisiana at a pastor's conference across town. And I remember Pastor Derek ran over to me and he had the look on his face like he had something from me. And I'll never forget, I remember him saying that, but what I really remember was the Taco Bell on his breath. I mean, I was like, Phew. I can never forget that moment. <laughs> I had to laugh with him about that, but that was the Lord. I remember that moment. I remember that Taco Bell breath. And his word came to pass. Uh, another verse 10 is the discerning of spirits. This verse, this is a gift given so you can discern the spirits at work. When people read that verse, they automatically start thinking about demons. And it's, it deals with spirits, I mean, but it is more than just dealing with demons. I mean, sometimes you've got to know which way the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and discern him. When, when Jesus was preaching, he, he knew, he perceived the thoughts that were in people's hearts. And, and so sometimes when you deal with the discerning of spirits, you're discerning what's in someone's spirit. I was preaching one time when we were back at the cafeteria. Anyone remember those days? We had a cafeteria that smelled not like Taco Bell, but like nacho cheese, because that was where the kids had it. And I remember I was over preaching, and I came across a young man, and I knew on the inside of me he had a real problem with pornography. I could sense it. I could feel it right there in the moment. And it was like, man, it was so highlighted to me in the situation. I've had other moments where the Lord spoke to me supernaturally about being more discerning in situations and, and, and seeing things with truth. This is a gift that is so powerful and so lacking in so many people's lives. And then in verse 10 uh, is another gift, different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Tongues and interpretation equal prophecy. It, it's like a companion gift to prophecy. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14 is a very misunderstood and neglected chapter of the Bible. We'll uh, talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I remember the story of my Uncle Ralph at his church in California in the heat of the charismatic movement. And he said that they had a man in the back row who stood up and gave a tongue, and another guy across the place gave the interpretation for it. And after the service, there was a man who stayed behind 
And he had some questions because he was from India. And he said, this guy over here spoke in a dialect that has been lost for over 200 years. I'm one of three people who knows that language. And the man over here interpreted it perfectly. And he wanted to know how that could take place. That was the Holy Spirit. And that guy got saved. And so th- there's a reality to these gifts. They, they happen supernaturally. In verse 11, he said, to one and the same Spirit works all these things. One in the same spirit. And he distributes each one individually. And watch this last verse here. As he wills. Now let me talk about these gifts. They're, they're not trivial gifts, man. They operate under God's control. These are powerful gifts. And you don't just turn them on and off at will. I've had people tell me that, oh, wherever I go, the Holy Spirit will show up and do things. And, and as I read the verse, it says it happens as he wills. I mean, they happen under his prerogative. And I watch sometimes as people might get a little ahead of their skis on these things. It, it might seem sometimes like that maybe a person will operate in a predominant gift, like, like it's the gift they operate in all the time. I've seen people who really are able to pray for people. They see miracles and healings take place. I know for me, that word of wisdom is, real, is a real thing, man. It's like, that's where my mind goes. That, it, the Lord speaks to me in that way. But that is not always the case. When I read Peter and John in the book of Acts, I just want to remind you, the gate beautiful. They prayed for that man, silver and gold have I none, such as I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. They didn't have 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to determine what gift they needed at the time. It hadn't been written yet. That, that what was in operation was the gift that was needed in the moment. And that's a lot of times what happens is that there is a need in a moment and you can operate in these gifts that God has, which are so powerful, that will bring healing and deliverance and victory in people's lives. They're the gifts of the Spirit. And, and so if, if you don't ever talk about them, if you don't ever teach on them, they might disappear. So I, I was praying this week, and the Lord really impressed me to um, just kind of stay in the chapter. And I want to highlight what I call some gateways to the gifts of the Spirit. These are like access points on how they might operate in your life. So the first gateway into the gifts of the Spirit, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. He said this, as the body is one, you got one body, but many members. Your members are like your fingers, your toes, your eyeballs, your tongue. He said the members of that body, being many, are one body. And he said, so also is Christ. That's where we get the phrase, the body of Christ. Because what he's talking about is how we as a church is like a body. Things should work together. So the first thing I would highlight here is what I call the avenue of agreement. This is the first access point into operating in spiritual things. Agreement is a spiritual force. It's a powerful force. It's like a foundational thing. And he likens it to your body. You know, when you are exercising and you're running, man, you you got your heart that's racing and and you've got arms moving, legs moving. You know, I was the other day running and my toe fell asleep. I was surprised by that. (laughs) Uh, But that's a part of my body. It's an activity. And you know, agreement is what paves the way for spiritual gifts to move. Any gifts, all gifts, there's got to be agreement. And and the gifts operate through faith, but faith works through agreement. Matthew chapter 18. He said he needs two or three to get done. And there he is in the middle of it. When two or three people pray and believe is touching anything, God said it can be done. There's something powerful about agreement. And I can sense when the spirit of faith is at work. I can sense it coming. I, it's like I've gotten up at moments and I felt like, man, it's time to minister. And I could feel 
uh, an expectation or an anticipation in the atmosphere. People ready to receive or hungry for truth. And what that is, is faith and agreement in the atmosphere so that people might pull on you. Uh, you, you can sense it coming. There, there's, there's this expectation. Uh, agreement, as we read the passage, works through unity. It's interesting, the next verse says you're baptized into one body. Uh, You've got to have unity. You need to have unity in your home. Man, I, that's one thing I love about being married to Elizabeth. We have agreement. And when I pray for her, when I pray in my home, and the two of us pray over our kids, we lay hands on them. It's like, man, I've seen prayers get answered effectively and quickly because there's agreement right there. That might be the reason you don't like your job very much because there's so much a lack of unity at that job. You know, the number one reason people quit jobs is generally because there's a conflict. There's a lack of unity in a situation. And, and that's why people are moving around from place to place. It's, it's unity isn't fostered. Unity needs to take place in churches, by the way. I'm grateful to have, you know, a group of people who are on the same page and are united with things because you got to have the pulse of a congregation. I have been in churches where there's a lack of unity and then you got strife and then it leads to financial problems and all kinds of different things. But I'm grateful, man, that there's such unity and love in our church. It's something that we love to have. I think one of the predominant problems in our nation right now is a lack of unity. I mean, it's like people are so divided. And I hate to tell you this, but your favorite politician is not going to get the job done. The only thing that's going to fix the problem we're faced with is a move of God in America. And I look at this country and there's so much pain in people. I think as America, we're very ripe for a move of God. I mean, we need one. That is the only thing that can bring healing to a divided land is the working of the Lord. There needs to be agreement. Agreement is the beautiful thing that helps overcome diversity. This chapter is about spiritual gifts. He talks about the body. He talks about unity. And he talks about diversity. You know that God is so big. There's so many elements of who he is that it might be sometimes a little too big for your limited comprehension. Consider the fact that he's three in one. Three parts of God, and they form one God. Uh, the Bible talks about his goodness and his severity. It talks about his mercy and his wrath. I mean, these are parts of that makes up his entire nature. And what I love about the body of Christ, man, it is so big. It is so diverse. I, I'm blessed to have had the opportunity to get to Nepal and Pakistan and see people from every tribe, nation, and tongue coming before the Lord. I appreciate diversity. I appreciate how different people bring different gifts and skill sets to the table. Because, you know, you got to understand, there's different tools that are required for different jobs. I'm in the middle of like, you know, working on home projects. And you know what? I might need a tool that's different one day than the next day. One day I need a table saw. And the next day I need a hammer. And, and then I, I had to go get special drill bits that was helped me put together some storage situation. And, and then, you know, if you're dealing with sheetrock, I hate sheetrocking, but I know a guy who's got sheetrock tools. And that is a force multiplier. <laughs> I mean, that really helps you do a whole lot more. And that's how gifts work in people's lives. That's how gifts work in congregation, different gifts. He gave us nine right here. And, and like these are gifts that help bring the harvest. They help get the job done. They're tools. It's, it's sort of like, you know, when you're working in the field, you can go out there with a hammer or a, a, a hoe and a, and a shovel. But if you had a combine, that's what gifts of the Spirit are like. You can really get a harvest take place. They, they multiply the job. And God has the tools for the job. If you'll stay in agreement, you'll watch what God does. 
stay in agreement, and you'll see how he moves. Now, here's a second gateway, and I'm in uh, the 31st verse. So chapter 12, jump down to the 31st verse. He said, earnestly desire the best gifts. And then he said this amazing statement. But I'm going to show you a more excellent way. You know that more excellent way deals with the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, which is the famous chapter on the love of God. And the positioning of the chapter is so telling. He talks about spiritual gifts in chapter 12. In chapter 14, he's going to talk about tongues, interpretation of tongues. In chapter 13, though, he starts talking about the love of God and how it's so important. Which brings me to my second point here. The the more excellent way is what I'm going to call the lobby of love. See, uh, whenever you have the love of God at work, spiritual gifts will be in operation. And a lobby is a place to get together and fellowship. Uh, It's a place where you can congregate and relationships happen. And what I have learned about the gifts of the Spirit is that they are relational things. Uh, In fact, the Bible is going to teach us here in the first four verses of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that spiritual gifts are meaningless. They're empty. They might even be filled with arrogance and don't operate effectively unless the love of God is working in your life. Just noisy. That's all it says. Yeah. So look at the way love plays out relationally. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, is really just an incredible chapter. It's defining what love looks like. It says love suffers long and is kind. It's patient and kind. You know, when I get patient, when I get impatient, I tend to get unkind. Am I alone in that? And I I use the excuse of being hangry, I suppose. (laughs) But I have found that when I've got God's love in my life, uh, my heart will soften. I'll be in the middle of something and I'll notice someone gets frazzled at a counter waiting on me because there's a long line. I'll just encourage them. Just, just, we get this, you know. And that's what love does. It's patient and it's kind. It tells us that love does not envy. We spend all day talking about how people get caught up with envy. You know, my friend John over here, he's going to the Lions Chiefs next week in the NFL game and I'm jealous of that. But I love John, so we'll let it go. <laughs> I, could, I could be envious of that. But loving people means you're grateful. He gets to go. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not full of pride. You know what I found out about what I call super spiritual people? Is it's actually a lot of spiritual pride at work. Hate to burst your bubble on that, man. I've seen a lot of people say a lot of stuff that they thought was the Holy Spirit, and it was not. And some of those people are not the most loving people I've ever met. Loving people means you can stay cool and stay chill. You might even accept a fault in your life. It says in verse 5 that love does not behave rudely. I get to preach to myself right here. It keeps quiet. keeps its mouth shut when it shouldn't talk. (laughs) It does not seek its own. It doesn't have a hidden agenda. Love is not provoked. That means it's not easily offended. Do you know how easily offended people are today? You say one thing wrong and someone just goes crazy. They lose it in their mind. Because we got insecure people who are not filled with God's love. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. The amplified version says that they believes the best of other people. My uncle one time took me to the Riverside County Jail, and we went to visit a man who had been stealing from him. But he said Jesus visited prisoners, and he told me that this verse means that you should think well of people. doesn't think evil of somebody else. Verse 6 says it does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth because... The truth is love can speak truth to people 
It's palatable. It knows how to communicate. I'm telling you, if your motives are in love, you can say things to people that might hurt, but they can bring freedom. You can rebuke someone speaking the truth in love. In verse 7, it says it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, hardships, tribulations, and trials, because love never fails. That's why you can get through things. The love of God at work is an amazing thing. It's a relational thing. So spiritual gifts are relational in nature. And you know, the, the more uh, that I get to know someone, the more I, I, I can identify certain things in their life, and then the, the more that relationship is real and the more love is working, the more authority I have to communicate something. I, I, like I had one guy, and he was very prophetic, and he would say, I know what I see in you, uh, but what do you see in me? And, and what the point was is that sometimes, you know, that, that, that love, when it's working in your life, man, you can communicate maybe faults, maybe flaws, maybe it's the Holy Spirit showing you something like that. I come from a family where it was okay. If you've got an issue, we could talk about it. We can deal with it. We can get through it. I can grow as a person, and it's because love was in my home. If you've got love operating in your life, you have an authority to speak into someone's life without shame, without condemnation, and it allows a free-flowing place for things to take place, the gifts of the Spirit to work. Now, the, the gifts of the Spirit, they, uh, they demand desire because the verse tells us uh, that, that that 31st verse up there, earnestly desire the best gifts. There's something about love and passion. That's what, pa- that's what love is like. It's like a passion. And so three places in this chapter, in chapter 12, verse 31, we'll see in 14 in verse 1 and 14 and 39, he's going to talk about desiring gifts. See, these are things that require your passion. When you are passionate about something, you will go after it. That's how you got married. That's how you got that girl. I know people who, when they get fired up about something, a sport or something they get interested in, man, their passion kicks in and they go after it. And it is the same thing with spiritual gifts. You have to have a sense of desire where you're leaning into it, where, where you want it, where you're searching for it. That's what the scripture says. You can't neglect it. You have to lean into it. And so in my life, this is something I'm really working to do. I'm, I'm trying to be more aware, more attentive. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, if I feel impressed on something, I'm leaning into it. I'm looking for it. I'm desiring for it. I, I'm, I'm praying about what God might say in situations. And when you do that, you will discover that he moves that way. And it gives you opportunities and things to say and situations to speak into where things will take place. It, it comes down to you desiring and, and not letting them go. You've got to increase your awareness. Uh, and, and these gifts are sacred. These gifts are set apart. They're solemn things. These, these are not trivial things. Uh, look, look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. I have it on the screen, I think. He said, since you're zealous, that means you have passion, you have desire, your heart's full of love for God. He said, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Here's what love requires, that you keep your heart in the right place. Because that that is purity. And operating in a spiritual gift requires a level of purity in your life. It requires pure motives. I have been around the block, man. I have been in churches where young guys will get up and talk about how the church is dead. One guy likened it to Sarah's womb. And I remember that didn't go over with the pastor. <laughs> Love wasn't at work right there. I've seen people who might use spiritual gifts to manipulate situations. 
And, and that can become witchcraft. It operates through something called flattery. I remember one guy, six foot four, blonde hair, flowing mane, dude looked like an angel. And he had a little work going on where spiritual gifts were taking place. Man, people were excited about it. But then they found out that the dude, when he would go out of town on his jobs, was actually hooking up with hookers and having affairs with his wife. Now, I think he's in prison in Oregon today for um, tax violations and fraud. And all I'm trying to say is that's not the love of God at work. The scripture clearly says you shouldn't take advantage of brothers and sisters in these things. Spiritual gifts demand that you are passionate for God, walk in love, keep your heart right, keep your heart pure. That's the love of God in motion. And when that isn't taking place, man, it can get dangerous. I'm just teaching you what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. These are heavy things, man. Solemn topic. Now, Walk in the love of God, watch what happens. Now I get to teach you 1 Corinthians 14, and I think this might be some of the most complicated verses of the Bible, but I'm going to do my best to just kind of highlight some simple things here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Here's what it says. Pursue love. And then what does it tell us? Desire spiritual gifts. So if you want a gift to operate in your life, if you want to see it take place, you're pursuing the relationship with the Lord, man, the love of God, and you have a desire for it. He said desire that you, especially that you prophesy. Remember, that is not foretelling the future. That just means that you're speaking with the inspiration of the Lord. Like you're in a service, suddenly you get quickened by the Holy Spirit. Something is revealed to you. You get excited about something. And that's how prophecy takes place. In verse 2, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. When's the last time you heard a message on praying in tongues? <laughs> not, a long, not many people. People neglect this chapter. So when we're talking about speaking in a tongue, we're talking about a personal prayer language. Later on, he'll talk about a corporate use of gifts in tongues and interpretation. I'm telling you, this is what trips people up. If you speak in a tongue, you're not speaking to men. You're speaking to God. It's a personal thing. No one understands. But in the Spirit... You speak mysteries. Spiritual things are mysterious things, which is hard for a, a society that is consumed by the information age to wrap their minds around. I mean, we're, we're in a time right now where people are so caught up with like education and, and they want facts. And a lot of times they overlook the spiritual nature of things. So it's a mysterious thing. Sometimes the gifts of the spirit are mysterious. That means that they're hidden from your natural understanding. And it takes a spiritual person to perceive them. But guess what? When you get close to the Lord, he starts revealing things to you. I'm going to call this third point here the pathway of a personal prayer life. A personal prayer life. A personal prayer language. Uh, praying in tongues. Or if you want to get theological, we could use the uh, Latin word glossialia, which is as they define it. So the idea here is that when you pray in the Spirit on a personal level, it is like a doorway to open up other spiritual gifts. It, it, it's something that just kind of gets you moving. It's something that stirs your spirit. He who prophesies, verse 3, speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Man, some of the most blessed moments I've had is when I've had someone who's just encouraged me with something that was put in their heart from the Lord. And I love to pray for people at the altars because a lot of times that's when things get revealed and, and it can be quite an encouragement to people. Yeah, It says in verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's your personal prayer language. But he who prophesies edifies the church. 
So we're not always talking about, you know, confusing things. We're talking about the difference between a personal prayer language and prophecy for the church. And then Paul said this, I wish you all spoke in tongues. That means it's available for everybody. I'm going to brag on my friend Alan back there. Alan, he, he'd prayed for many years for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we said, well, you know, I know a lady, my mom, she prays with people. Who, who in here has been filled with the Holy Spirit praying with my mother? <laughs> like a ton of people. So she has a gift of this. She prays for people. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. She got that because when she was a, 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 like a Lutheran girl in 1967, she locked herself in the bathroom seeking the Lord and came out eight hours later praying in tongues. Grandma thought she was crazy. Grandma still thinks she's crazy. <laughs> but ever since then, man, it's like that, that she has like a gift for praying for people. It's, it's really an incredible thing. So it's available to people who are hungry for it. It's not just available because you're curious. You are hungry for it. Yeah. It, it, it said, I wish you all spoke in tongues, verse 5, but even more that you prophesied, that you're inspired. Now, I love it when I go to a prayer meeting and someone speaks up who do, you typically doesn't speak up. I, I, I'll listen. I'll be like, ooh, what, what is the Lord moving you to say? I, I love seeing that. I love that when that takes place. Do, do you, did you get something when we were praying that the Lord put on your heart? It, it tells us that... Uh, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless there is an interpreter, that the church may receive edification. This is where we get outside of a personal prayer language and into the idea of tongues and interpretation. For a tongue and interpretation to happen in a church service, the key thing is for an interpreter. It's one thing to pray and have someone who can say something in tongues, but there needs to be an interpreter so that that thing can be understood. And there's a difference between the gift of tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and tongues and interpretation in a church service. And that's, that's not my emphasis today. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to my point here in a minute, but, but I did read a great book on it recently. And there are some similarities. Spiritual gifts, praying in the Spirit on your own or in a service, they both require faith to work. Faith has got to be active. But there are some differences. Because when you pray in the Spirit on your own, you become the beneficiary of that thing. The gift of tongues, uh, when that takes place in a service, other people are the beneficiaries, like the man in India I was telling you about. When you uh, pray in the Spirit, it can happen at any time. You, I, I mean, my mom would drive around praying in tongues, and like under her breath, not noisily. <laughs> and my friends would be like, what's up with your mom? And I'd be like, I don't know. I <laughs> was when I was younger. <laughs> now I drive around praying in tongues. That's how I avoid wrecks. I'm cheating. <laughs> uh, the gift of tongues happens when the Holy Spirit moves. Uh, you can pray on your own anytime, but when the Spirit moves someone, that, that's when a gift takes place. Uh, when you pray in the Spirit, no interpretation is necessary. You're speaking to God privately. It's building up your spirit. But the gift of tongues requires an interpretation for understanding. This chapter will also tell us these things need to be done decently and in order. That means that uh, it's hard to do that in large settings. Like if you've got a, a church with a couple hundred people, it's almost impossible to apply that verse because things can get chaotic. Uh, there's a measure of you know, brevity that maybe needs to take place. These are gifts that are for the mature and they require interpreters to take place. I think that tongues and interpretation has gotten a bad rap. Because I've been to many services where someone will get up and talk, yelling at the top of their lungs in tongues, and it kind of just goes nowhere. It requires leadership and maturity to handle it right. But I have been in services where things get revealed and the secrets of hearts come out. 
if there's mature people and interpretations. Now, let's talk about a personal prayer life. Because these things are vital for you to operate in spiritual gifts. A personal prayer life keeps you close to God. Because it keeps you in the love of God. Jude 1.20, he said, pray in the Spirit and you'll stay in the love of God. Man, there's something about the love of God. Uh, when, when I pray in the Spirit, you know what happens? My perspectives about people and situations shift. I had a speaker a couple of years ago, and I got an email from someone who said that the man was operating in witchcraft. And I t- told his wife that. Someone's accusing you of witchcraft. She said, I've, I've been accused of a lot of things, but never that one. <laughs> and as I was praying about it, because I could got mad and I was going to write something nasty back on the email, but the Lord just prompted my heart that she had maybe had some bad experiences or pain. Suddenly I understood the woman was dealing with her own personal issues and pain. And that's what happens when you pray. You don't have to get angry at people. When I've got problems or there's strife, if I will get alone and pray in the Spirit, what happens is the love of God starts shifting my perspective. I get better understanding of the situation. Uh, When you pray in the Spirit, you make sense of mysteries. Like, wisdom comes for you on how to solve problems. This is my favorite thing about it. Because it helps you understand mysterious things. That's what praying in the Spirit on a personal level will do for me. Now, I was at the altar one Sunday, and I remember there was a man who needed prayer. His name was Harold. Harold had been given a death sentence. He had just a few weeks to live. I'm here praying with a friend, and I'm telling you, I felt the the power of the Lord present to heal. That's a verse in the book of Luke. I felt God's desire to heal the man. And the moment I reached out and prayed with him, I also sensed in my heart that he was going to die. And I had a hard time like trying to figure that out. And he did die a few weeks later. I sensed God's desire, but I also sensed that he wasn't going to make it. And as I prayed about it, it was like God gave me answers to those things. Uh, he helped understand you know, situations. We had this precious family over here. My friends, the Badillo family. They're not from Portland. I keep telling everyone that. But they, they felt the Lord move them to, Oregon, or to Arkansas. And I called them down. We prayed over them. And I felt the Lord's presence. And it broke my heart because I hate to see people move. But they ended up in a house situation where like the, the, the inspection guy had totally botched it. They couldn't get the house sold because it was a real, a real problem. So they had to move back, which is all wonderful. I thank God for that. <laughs> but as we were talking about it, the interesting thing in that moment was, though I sensed God's presence and his favor uh, and then they ended up coming back. W- what I processed from that as I prayed about it, but it doesn't always go that way, does it? Yeah, and I happen to have dreams where the Lord will give me something. And I don't, always, I don't read too far into all of them, but sometimes they're from the Lord, and I don't know exactly what it means. And praying in the Spirit helps me process it until I get an aha moment. That's what that meant. And it may not be the way I thought it would play out, but God will help me with it. He'll process it. This is what it meant. I've had that happen many times. Someone got to give you a word, and your tendency is to read too far into it. And that's not necessarily what God was saying. But if you pray in the Spirit, you process these things. It, it, what it does, praying in the Spirit primes your spirit. You become more spiritually aware of situations. Things come up in your spirit. That's what Jesus said in John 7. Out of your spirit will flow rivers of living water. Now, this just happened to me on Wednesday. I was praying. I had a problem at church I was dealing with. I was answering. I was, I was questioning the Lord, how do I fix this problem? And he gave me a verse. I'm telling you, that is a huge way God speaks to me. 
Hebrews chapter 12, he gave me verse 12 and 13, and that verse had an answer for something that I was taking place. It had to do with pruning, had to do with healing. And as I was praying, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because what happens is when you pray in the Spirit, your understanding gets open to things. You, 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 like particularly, you'll understand the scriptures. That's what Jesus did. He gave the disciples, he prayed over them, and it says that they understood the scriptures. I'm telling you, if you get a verse from the Lord, when he speaks to you a word as you're praying, it, it can contain the answer you're looking for. The very answer you need is often contained in a scripture, and when that word gets working in the spirit and in your heart, that's when you start seeing answers take place. I feel like a lot of times the reason people don't see answers and stay frustrated with their life is because they're not standing on a word. They're just kind of floating out there nebulously without knowing what the Bible says or God's will for their life. You can get a hold of a verse, you can pray it, and you can see the will of God come to pass. And it can overcome natural circumstances. It can go outside of realms you thought could take place. He can do the impossible. The answers exist in your spirit if you'll draw them out by praying in the spirit. But as we said, if you don't ever exercise spiritual gifts, it's like your muscles atrophy. You know what that is? Like, like, like they get weak. You don't use them, and they just kind of go away. The muscle loss could be there, the loss of use. Now, I want to ask the question, how many of you would like to operate in spiritual gifts? Is, is it a desire of your heart? I know some people, they think it's crazy. They stay away from it. But I'm just telling you my experiences. It's an amazing thing to have a closeness with God where you hear his voice and you see him move in situations. In fact, I have friends, I'll tell you this. I have friends who got touched by the Lord and the ones that have really deep connections like that with God, encounter with God, don't drift away. They, they, it's like, man, he touched them and you can never go back from an encounter with God like that. Yeah, so let me ask you this question. Is there agreement in your home? Is there, is there a place? There's a lot of times when there's no unity, it's hard for gifts to work. It's hard for faith to be in motion. I was listening to a guy, and he said the greatest mistake preachers make is marrying the wrong person. I know a lot of guys who married the wrong person. It can set you back. You, you want to make sure you've got unity and agreement in my home. I thank God for Sister Elizabeth because in the days when I felt like throwing the towel at church, Elizabeth's been like, no. That's all I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> I love that about her, man. She keeps me going. Yeah. Do you know how much God loves you? He loves you more than you think you do. He loves you so much. Now, about this house we got. My realtor, who goes to church here, he said that his experience was that God would get you a home, Jordan, and he wouldn't do it for you. He's going to do it because he loves your children. He'll do it for them. And that hit me so hard, but God did that. I experienced his love. And I was, I was praying with, with a woman here. She wants a house so bad. She's got a small living arrangement. And so I started telling her God will do it. And she started crying. And I was telling her the same thing. No, he loves you. He loves your children. He'll do it for you. And I get excited every time I see her because I know God's about to do something. I have faith in that. I know it's at work. Uh, if you don't know that God loves you, there's a simple thing you got to do. Spend time with God. And he will reveal his love to you. Now, uh, the, the more that you spend time with God, the more blessed that you'll be. Now, I just sense the presence of the Lord in this place. And I'm just going to take a moment. And if you don't mind, we'll just wait on him for a minute. And I'll just see if he impresses us with something. Or if he's got a word for anybody. Or I think sometimes when you teach on it, you've got to activate it. But you know, the thing about preaching, I've noticed that when I preach, uh, then like the Lord will get on me. 
And it might, it might last me all day. The anointing will be with you. I was laying hands on people a couple weeks ago. I just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And every time I touched someone, I got a word for them. So uh, a lot of times it's just kind of waiting and, and praying and, and just sitting in God's presence. And I feel this peace here. Do you feel this peace here? Mm. I feel this peace. I had a verse the Lord gave me before the service. Uh, and it had to do with making crooked places straight. That's what I kept hearing in my spirit. Crooked places straight. And uh, so, you know, my friend over here from Great Falls, what's your name? That's I, I, Crooked places straight. You need, you need some things to be straightened out, don't you? Yeah. Reach a hand out to this lady over, Nicole. So, Father, I just thank you for things coming into alignment. Mm. You know, I feel, like, I feel like you're missing a covering. Mm. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray covering over her. I pray, Lord, that uh, needs are going to be met, covering over her home and her children. Make those crooked places straight. Edification, exhortation, and comfort to you. I pray the peace of the Lord over you. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Crooked places being straight, man. I thank you for the peace of the Lord. Mm. Mm. Sometimes, if you get a word like that, like a crooked place being made straight, and you just get that verse, the danger you have is sometimes you read into it too far. And, and I, had a, I had a guy teaching on that. It was really, really remarkable. That, that's where people can get in trouble. He might just give me a phrase or a statement for something, but the tendency we have as humans is we want to figure it all out. What does it mean? And then, and then you can overdo it sometimes. So th- that's the way these things go. They're mysterious gifts. And you just give what God gives you, and you'll be happy for it. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like uh, that if you desire more of the Lord, that's what James says. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. If you have that desire for more of the Lord, he'll operate this way. He'll show you great and mighty things to come. You get close to the Lord, you, you get ready for the greatest adventure of your life. Isn't that right? I've had some adventures. There's been nothing like following Jesus. The greatest adventure, the most fun time I've ever had. And it's from the Holy Spirit leading me, just through situations and things. And I feel like, you know what I sense? I sense somebody here is like, uh, what do I call it? Walking along the riverbanks. Like you're curious about this stuff curious about what I taught. But if you walk along the riverbank long enough, you might fall in the creek. <laughs> Man, God can touch people that way. Now, let's go ahead and stand up. Um, and if you want prayer for anything, we'll pray for you. A lot of times lately, I just have had the Lord impress me as I prayed for people. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like that intrigues you. If you're hungry for that, man, we can pray with you. We'll be here all day if we need to pray with you. I've seen God do it many times. Let's just take a moment, lift up our hands. And if you're filled with the Spirit, let's just pray in the Spirit here just quietly. And just say, Lord, we love you. We bless you. As we, as we close out today, I just pray, Lord. I pray for understanding to be open. I pray that the things we taught will bear fruit. I pray, Lord, that there will be desire and a hunger to know you. Mm. I, I feel like the Lord's drawn his people closer to him. Closer, closer, closer. I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray for greater hunger, greater desire, greater fervor than we've ever had before. Keep us alive and awake in these last days in which we live. Stir us up. Stir up the gift of God. Fan the flame that's within us. I pray that. And I pray over these upcoming meetings with, with my friend Ted. God, I pray they be powerful, effective. I pray everything that you want to accomplish is going to be accomplished. I pray for hearts and minds to be changed, people to come alive. We pray for supernatural encounters with the Holy Spirit. In, in, decently and in order and safely. And I just thank you for your hand of protection with us in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen and amen, amen. Mm, I feel God's presence. Y'all feel that? His peace is here. I do want to do one more thing. I'll let y'all be dismissed if you, if you want to pray. We got a young man here. He's training for Bible college. Second year in, is that right? 
And you got, come on, I want to pray for you. And it was Travis, is that the name? Help me out. Tyler. Tyler and I are Facebook friends, which makes us the truest of friends. I should have known that. <laughs> he's going to school in Florida, and he's a young man, and he wants to give his heart totally to the Lord for the work of ministry. Reach a hand out. We just want to pray. Crooked places. Aha. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that. I pray everything that's in his, every obstacle in his way. God, anything that's holding him, any hindrance, where the finances are, the problems with school, I just pray everything that's an obstacle is removed. I pray, Lord, you go before him. You make a way. Father, I thank you for taking him. Mm, Showing him great and mighty things. Oh, Lord, I just thank you for a precious heart, surrendered heart, a holy heart to the Lord, precious in your eyes. I bless him. I thank you for crooked places coming straight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm proud of you, Tyler. Bless you. All right. Love you all. We'll catch you next Friday night with my friend Ted. We have a worship team from uh, Canada coming down on Friday night, and uh, that will be a lot of fun from my friend Dick DeWert's church. We're having a great time. So if you want prayer, we're here for you. I feel the Lord on me. If you want prayer, it's be a good time. I love you all very much. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>